Inside Chicago Government. ShyGov.com. Welcome to another in a series of interviews with Ben Jarofsky. I'm Dave Gloetz. Ben Jarofsky writes on government and politics for the Chicago Reader, and he's here with me today. Welcome to the broadcast, Ben. Thank you, Senator. Today we're talking about your article that's titled A Development in Sheep's Clothing that appears in the Reader on December 6, 2012. This article talks about a plan to develop Wolf Point on the Chicago River near Kinsey by developer Heinz Interests. In May, the developers unveiled the development scheme, which includes three towers of mixed residential, retail, and business units. And after months of input from community groups, including concerns about an increased level of traffic, the project looked good for approval by the Chicago Plan Commission at its meeting on November 27th. Then, the day before, the developer sent a community group information that revealed the possibility that the developer would create up to 1,800 hotel rooms, Mm -hmm. the first time anyone had mentioned a hotel. Mm -hmm. The alderman, Brendan Riley of the 42nd Ward, subsequently put off consideration of the project by the plan commission. The plan commission is now scheduled, according to your article, to consider the project on December 20. Do you know what will have changed or transpired since the aborted November 27th meeting? First of all, ding, 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 late-breaking update, late-breaking update, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Sorry. I love the sound of Yeah, it's radio. Since the article came out, Alderman Brendan Riley sent out an email that he was asking the plan commission, again, to defer the matter to some other point. Next year? Next year, yes, so that the community would have more time to... Um, Protest. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> protest is over. The deal's coming. To blow a gasket. Yeah, to blow a gasket. <laughs> to fume and fuss, but to ultimately accept their fate. So I don't know when the plan commission will hear the matter, but presumably before they do, the community and the developers will reach some sort of consensus on how many hotel units will go there now that the developers have made it clear after months of negotiation that they intend to put hotel units there. I'm guessing there's going to be a little trust issue here. Oh, yes. Well, you know, I I was having a side conversation with several people this morning about this whole issue of trust in the age of Emmanuel. And... um, Should be a sign. Uh, yeah, I know. The age of Emmanuel or trust. Anyway, the it, there really is a lack of trust. And Chicagoans, they, we've talked about this. We've always, they're such a jaded, skeptical bunch anyway, as they go along with everything. We had this conversation last week, I believe. I really believe that we're reaching new heights or lows on veracity and the lack thereof. And I just look at it across the board in so many ways. Um, so many instances that I write about, but there's others that I don't write about. For instance, the billboard deal, which we won't go into, but my colleague, the great McDumkey, is looking into, and there's all sorts of issues of the benefits to the public. Are they being exaggerated by the manual administration? There's school closings, the whole issue of what is an underutilized school, and uh, what are your intentions to do with the money that you save? Are you just going to merely pass it on to a charter school? This is just emblematic of it, where, again, in the abstract, you're supposed to have a educated and informed discussion about what's in the best interest of the city of Chicago. Should we allow this vacant strip of land on the near north side to be developed? And then after you've reached a consensus, not everybody agreed with it, but the majority of the people in the area who bothered to show up seemed to agree with it, that this was the best use, you suddenly learn that there was another plan all along. 
I can't think of any development deal of this magnitude where there was a last-minute revelation like this. Perhaps our listeners could clue me in on one. Duplicitous is an understatement. Yes, but it seems to be characteristic of what's happening in a larger sense with our city in the age of Rom. We discussed the United Airlines deal. That just popped in my mind where Mayor Rom said, well, the United Airlines is giving us back this TIF dollars. Thank you. And then it turns out that they have to. They're obligated to under the terms of the deal. I think that uh, in many ways, this is sort of a symbol of truth in the age of Rom. Do you think it flows down for the top? And I'm thinking specifically of the 2008 Obama campaign, where he stood for so much that people were counting on him to do. And you could go down a list of things that he stood for that he doesn't stand for. And I'll add that that campaign won the National Marketing Association's award that year for best marketing campaign. That's a very good point. Just to defend Obama, I'm always defending Obama. Rom was not a part of the Obama campaign until he didn't even support Obama. I'm not talking about the fact that Rom was part of the administration. I'm talking about this new. I don't know how new it is, but but this prevalent duplicity and, you know, just like, let's bullshit people as, as wildly as we want to and turn around and do the opposite. Obama set the tone, I think, in that campaign. Yeah, well, I... I mean, um, it, it, you could go all around government and find this. I'm always reluctant to, to criticize Obama in any way, as you know. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to avoid the Obama trap. What you're talking about is on target to what in general is happening in politics. I think that Mayor Daley uh, practiced some of the same tricks, but Rahm, I think, is taking it to a new level. He's not holding back. Yeah, he doesn't hold back in any way. He did learn this, I believe, from national politics, from having served in the Obama administration, but really, before before that, where he learned the real tricks of the trade in the Clinton administration, and that is that everybody's always talking on point, and so that every issue is framed to give him the greatest political advantage, regardless of the substance of the issue. So in the case of firing city workers, it's all about efficiency. In the case of developing Wolf Point or development deal, it's all about construction jobs and investment and how the private sector is more interested than ever in Chicago since he, the mayor, came to town when, in fact, the development of River North has been going on for, what, 30 years now or so? I'm losing track of time since the late 70s. So it really began way before Rahm Emanuel even came to town, and it's just an ongoing process. It really has nothing to do with who the mayor is. It's all about money. So I think you're on to something. I think that more and more of our public debate is being squeezed into these talking points that bear very little resemblance to uh, the truth. Let's get out of the philosophical clouds and get down into the dirt here for a minute. (laughs) Chief among the residents' concerns is an increase in the amount of automobile traffic in the area because it's been over there. It's kind of clogged. It's not going to readily accept a lot of new traffic. Have you heard about this proposal by this guy, Dan Johnson? He's got a blog called Progressive Advocacy. For our listeners, if you want to go check it out, it's djwinfo.blogspot.com. And his basic idea is that not included in most development is transit. And his idea is, in addition to doing everything else you do when you develop a site, namely water and sewer and electrical and other infrastructure, part of that infrastructure could be transit. Today, the zoning laws require X number of parking spaces per residential unit. And uh, Johnson says, well, why don't you do that with transit? You should have X amount of transit per Y number of units. 
And I'll just read a little bit about what he said in his blog on this. He's talking specifically about Wolf Point. He says, this proposal presents an opportunity to merge two processes for site-specific innovative transit investments. Instead of imposing parking requirements on proposed real estate developments, I suggest that cities should impose transit requirements as well. The real estate developers should be required to invest in local bus routes to connect to the closest train station or a small streetcar line to connect to other transit routes. The Wolf Point developers could be required to finance the operations of a new CTA bus line in perpetuity that will serve the expected thousands of new residents and visitors and connect to the Merchandise Mart Brown Line station. The CTA already contracts with private institutions to provide specific bus service like the U of C, three bus routes there. A similar neighborhood shuttle based on the particular needs of the River North neighborhood can be developed and financed by real estate developers. Even better, where circumstances permit, would be laying track and running a portion of a streetcar. So do you think that the hotel aspect might fly better with the community if the city were to require transit as a part of the development? Wow, great question, and that Dan is really on to something. My story was concentrating on sort of the duplicity of the whole matter, but there's the larger issue, which I largely left undiscussed, as the lack of planning in general that goes on in Chicago, particularly in this spot. I've been down this road before in terms of our strange zoning code and the way it insists that there be parking spaces per unit. i agree with this gentleman, Dan. I think we should go in the other direction. How about a project with no parking? The fear in Chicago is that you can't sell it. People want their cars. And here's where Chicagoans, and this gets at the attitude of the the people who live in the area, they're as bipolar as the rest of us. Even though they have willingly moved to an area that's becoming more and more like Manhattan in terms of congestion, most of them want the luxury of being able to drive a car in and out and have a parking space. In a sense, they are the problem as much as the overdevelopment. So the city should probably rethink what it does with downtown development and not require parking and, in fact, build up public transportation, as Dan is suggesting. Our bicycling listeners are all cheering yes, right now. the bicyclists of Chicago, who are usually the first to be bought off by any mayor, <laughs> just give them a bike lane and they're putty in your hands. There is one over there. You know, it's funny. When I was doing the story, I walked around the area with some of the residents Very smart people, enjoyed the time I spent with them, learned a lot. But they were practically cursing the bicyclists who are flying up and down the Kinsey bike lanes. And and, and really, I could see their point of view. Look out, here I come. (laughs) Far less of a danger to me. I ride my bike all the time because I'm so slow. But these are young athletic cyclists just whipping down the road. Uh, some of them have headphones on. They're listening to music. That's all part of the problem of how do you fit so many people into such a small space? And not only the cyclists, I got it was a, a cab guy and he was on the phone. He's, he's trying to turn of Kinsey. This is absolutely absurd. You're asking for some kind of disaster. There's no planning whatsoever. This gets into the larger issue of how much public money will be spent on this area. And despite the assurances of the city that no public money will be spent on this project, I can guarantee you it will require some kind of public money. If you put so many people onto that spit of land, at the very least, you have to rebuild the Kinsey Bridge. I think that you're really onto something, Dave, that there's no planning in Chicago of any magnitude, of any substance. There's certainly no strategic thought as to how 
we wed ourselves of our addiction to the car, even in the most congested of areas where it's really a handicap to have a car. So I'm with you 100%. I would think any new development downtown should be car-free. The cheers are continuing. The cheers of the, <laughs> of the bicyclists. You, know, you mentioned hanging out with the residents. Did you learn anything during your field trip there that you didn't write about? Well, yes. In fact, the article changed, Dave. Originally, I was going to write about the planning aspect. I was going to take a look at the notion of cramming so much development into one corner of town and how really what market-driven development, how that is somehow or other passed off as strategic targeted development, when in fact it's just market-driven. It's like, oh, there's a market here. I can make money off of this. I'll put something up. City, give me my zoning permits now. Yeah, it would be interesting to sit in on the negotiations, and they have to negotiate with these people who have essentially lied to them. Well, you know, it's interesting who's negotiating with who and what difference it makes relative to the Prentice Hospital, hospital story. Same ward. Northwestern uh, is going to build a research facility on the site, or they say they're going to build a research facility on the site of where the old Prentice Hospital is currently situated, and the preservationists are fighting them on that. There's an article in the student newspaper of Northwestern, an interview between a student journalist and the president of Northwestern, which was very revealing. And in that interview, the president, and I'm paraphrasing, said that at some point in the summer of 2011, he had a private meeting with Mayor Emanuel, and Emanuel chastised him by saying, you've got to be more proactive. You're getting clobbered by the preservationists. So the takeaway was, I need political cover from you to do what we both know I'm going to do, which is allow you to tear down Prentice Hospital. So again, the whole notion that he's thinking about the pros and cons of preserving a hospital. The behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Was revealed. And so Northwestern, very dutifully, learned its lesson. They hired a PR firm, and they went on the attack, and they won the endorsement of the Chicago Tribune and John Cass, and the usual suspects, and they got their deal. Brendan Riley, the alderman in both cases, he signed on to that deal as well. So you talk about what happens in we really have to assume a level of backroom maneuvering that no public process will ever reveal. We only know that little thing about Prentice because the president of Northwestern felt like telling it to this student reporter. A key difference, though, is that the preservationists don't live there, whereas in River North, the aldermen arguably must respond on some level or feel somehow if he wants to get reelected by these people, can't screw them. That's a good point. And I think that part of the reason why the mayor signed on so eagerly with Northwestern, aside from the obvious reasons that he wants to curry favor with them, is that there is a relative apathy toward the whole thing on the part of residents. I read in the Tribune, so it must be true, that many of the residents in the area found the building ugly. And so they didn't care if it was torn down. So I think your point's well taken. It's a little trickier wolf point because there's local opposition to congestion. There's people who are upset because these towers will block their sunlight. There's all the usual uh, not-in-my-backyard issues. The important issue deals with what your friend Dan wrote about, and that has to do with the larger public investment. If we're going to allow development of wolf point, this is a significant project that will require public investment. So we're going to take a limited amount of money. Once again, it gets down to how we divide up the money. I won't even say the word TIF. I'll just say money. And we're going to allocate it to this corner of town in the name of economic development. I don't know if that's in our best interest. It's going to happen, apparently, whether we like it or not. 
The only thing I think that could keep it from happening is if residents in this area stand tight in their opposition and successfully fight to limit whatever development goes there. Well, this latest development, no pun intended, this latest development might help them to stand even firmer. The way it's been crafted now, and, it, and I saw it coming with some of the uh, quotes that I got from the representative, the developer, it's like 450 hotel units. That's what we want to put. So now we're getting real. Now we're having a... <laughs> Now we're finally uh, negotiating, in, negotiating in good faith. Everybody knows what's on the table. Well, I heard one funny thing as an aside. People say, oh, that's where they're going to put the casino. I hadn't thought of that. You know, it's how naive I am. What do you think of that, Dave? you think they're going to put the casino there? Would the zoning allow it? <laughs> zoning is just a matter of getting you know, the zoning changed. But I mean the zoning that they're proposing. Because the zoning that they proposed unknown to the residents, was going to allow a hotel, yeah. would it also allow a casino? I don't know. They're not going to put it on Navy Pier. The casino? Yeah, I don't think so. Well, let's make one of our bets. <laughs> Where do you think the casino will go? We're presuming that the casino will come. It seems like Governor Quinn yeah, the and, governor uh, is, and Rahm uh, are, is laid down. Yeah, <laughs> he's laid down on the casino. Where do you think it's going to go? Not at Navy Pier. It could go at Wolf Point. not going to go in the West Loop. You think the post office? The old post office? That British guy still owns that, doesn't he? I always thought he bought it waiting for whatever's going to happen to come to him. Huh. So he's in a position to sell it. So Possibility. Yeah. And there was like hotel development plans there for a little while mm-hmm. that he was part of. Huge TIF money, yeah, uh, which yeah. has sort of been dropped. Well, it has been dropped. The people who were proposing it have moved on. You got all that huge empty space around the United Center. Well, if you're talking real economic development, you're going to put a casino, you should put it in Englewood. You know, know, put it where a neighborhood that really could use it. I don't know, you know. There you go. I just figured it out. I should be the planning commissioner of Chicago. You want to bet on that one? You taking that bet? (laughs) I think we'll squeeze everything on the wolf point, every single development. Ben, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, sir. If you'd like to share our interviews with your Facebook friends, go to our Facebook page, Inside Chicago Government. From the web, go to facebook.com slash insidegov on iTunes. Look for Inside Chicago Government or Ben Jarofsky. And if you have any questions or comments or want to suggest something that we could talk about, contact us via contact at shygov.com. I'm Dave Glowatz. Thanks for listening.